0: Welcome to Let's Talk, a place for open conversations. My friend GT Dave started his incredible company, GT's Living Foods, in the 1990s in his home, brewing fizzy fermented tea. He has since grown the company to produce over a million bottles of kombucha each year in over a dozen varieties, and is the number one selling kombucha in the U.S. More important than his success is GT's sincere dedication to the integrity of his product and his desire to share living foods and promote a healthy diet. He's incredibly passionate about his sense of purpose.
1: you for having me and thanks for such a sweet intro i really appreciate it
2: well absolutely we know each other for a very long time and, and before even knowing you i knew about the brand and when i was able to attach gt kombucha to the face and the person who creates it it makes it even more beautiful and more amazing and i want to dive into the conversation about about your brand because gt kombucha is your name And it's a brand that you have from since, I think you started in 1990, right? The late nineties, right? Um, Yeah, 1995.
1: 1995.
2: Well, let's do this. Let's let everybody know what kombucha is. Let's start with that. What is
1: kombucha? Well, kombucha is a fermented tea that actually originated hundreds, if not thousands of years ago. It was first recorded to be consumed in 221 BC, which of course is a long time ago. It starts off as a tea that you brew, like a normal uh, cup of tea, if you will, and then you add this living culture, which we call a kombucha SCOBY, which is an acronym for symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. So we at GTs call it a plant because in many ways it lives and reproduces much like a plant does. And you take this culture and you put it in a batch of brewed tea, let it ferment for anywhere from 7 to 14 days, and after that fermentation time, the tea has essentially been completely transformed It doesn't taste like tea anymore, and it's rich with organic acids, probiotics, and enzymes that, when you consume it, cleanses your body, specifically your liver, strengthens your immune system, and, of course, replenishes your gut. So I first heard about kombucha in the early 90s. My parents were making it and drinking it. Um, I thought it was very weird, to be honest, but it wasn't until it helped my mom with her breast cancer, which is when I decided to give it a try, and that's when I fell in love with it.
2: Well, you know, I grew up in Asia, obviously, and I'm Asian. (laughs) And and (laughs) it has been part of my culture growing up and something that my mom and my grandma would make and, you know, put these live organisms looking like amoeba-looking, jellyfish-looking plant, as you call it, into the jar. We set it outside. We actually let natural sun infuse into the tea and let it naturally pour out there because the humidity is so high out there. The fermentation really catches on fast. So so then at the end of, like like you said, five to seven days, it, this, this product is that, is no, what do we don't even call it tea anymore, right? It's like a soda. It has this natural bubble sensation when you drink it. And it's something that I never thought the Western culture we embrace, let's be honest. When I had this when I was younger, when we moved to the United States, I never saw it again, right? Yeah. And, and it's something that, and, and, and side tangent for a second, as an Asian immigrant living in America, you're always being criticized when you go to school with lunchboxes with things that people don't know what you're eating because culturally we we'll just have different kind of food that's in our boxes. And kombucha was something that I was mainly exactly to bring in with me as my lunchbox meal so that that eventually kind of left my vernacular of my food culture but then we began to see that the product the idea of eastern food started permeating into the american market and kombucha was part of that wave now i want to know what was it that first inspired you to to learn about kombucha I, i know there's a history about your mom, and I'm so sorry for your loss, and she was incredible. I met her many, many times, and she was always alive at the party. Mm-hmm. We talked to her a lot about kombucha. I had a great conversation with her about kombucha, and, and she's always so proud, so proud of you and your journey. Let's share that little bit of that passage with everyone, because it, it wasn't just, it wasn't as simple as you just put it. All right, yeah. my parents made this, so I'm gonna make it. This, is a, this was a journey. This was not something that you set out to say, I'm going to make this tea because I enjoy it. This actually was a medical proving. This is a journey that you went on and you saw a healing process. I want people to understand what the healing process for you mentally, as well as physically
1: with kombucha. Absolutely. And first of all, I mean, in many ways you're kind of preaching to the choir because when you reference your childhood and having these fermented foods that when you would go to school, Most people didn't have the same kind of food. I actually relate because I was raised a vegetarian. So I didn't have the turkey sandwich, the carton of milk, the brownies, the other things that, again, a lot of people my age had. So that was number one. Number two, you know, my parents were exposing me to very unusual foods, anything from tofu, tempeh, wheatgrass, chia seeds, noni, you name it, which, again, is a little bit more mainstream now. but Back in the 80s and 90s when I grew up, was unheard of Um, and so in many ways like it it was a little stressful being a kid because I think we all want to fit in and I felt certainly a little bit like an outsider because of my diet and the things that my parents raised me on but you know the reason why my parents exposed me to these unusual foods is, as you simply put it although these foods are really uncommon in the Western world in the Eastern part of the world it's a staple, right? These fermented foods, as I know you know, kimchi, sauerkraut, miso, all these incredible fermented foods are just starting to come here to the States. So when kombucha came into my life, as you put it, it was completely unheard of. Nobody had heard of it. Those that had tried it didn't understand it because here in the US until recently, perhaps, we're not used to drinking sour things. We're used to drinking incredibly syrupy, sweet stuff. So. You know, my parents made kombucha for two years, drank it religiously to the point where it started to take over our house, because when you make kombucha, you make it in these kind of um, anywhere from two to three gallon bowls. And so the more you consume, the more you have to make. So there was a point where there were bowls lining almost the entire table of my parents dining room in Los Angeles when I was growing up, which certainly looked like a science project to anybody looking in. Um, So that certainly caught my attention that my parents were becoming obsessed with it. But as you put it, it, it took a real kind of monumental moment for me, to, for, for me to have that catalyst to start on this journey, as you called it. So as you pointed out, in 1993, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she actually didn't know she had cancer. She was the picture of perfect health. She was plant-based, athletic, um, in great shape, all of that stuff, ate, had an uh, incredibly great diet. But the one thing she didn't do is she didn't process her stress properly. So she kind of internalized or stress, which now in retrospect, we're learning that stress in many ways is a toxin. So if you don't release it, it can kind of start to fester within your body and manifest into something as horrible as cancer. So when my mother was diagnosed, again, she didn't know she had cancer. She went in because she actually thought she was pregnant. And then the doctor said, well, Mrs. Dave, we have some unfortunate news. You're not pregnant, but instead we have found something very large growing in your right breast, and it's an aggressive form of cancer and we're going to run some more tests but we are concerned that you've had this for about four years it's very fast growing we believe that is already it has already spread to your bones and throughout your body so when my mother shared that very bleak news with my father and my brothers i honestly thought that i had been diagnosed with cancer i mean my mother is my everything and so that news definitely was heartbreaking um so now imagine two weeks later She goes and visits the doctors again, thinking to get even worse news because they rarely call you in to the office when they have good news to share with you. But ironically, they they sat my mother down, they said, Mrs. Dave, we called you in, not because we have bad news, but we have some really interesting news we wanna share. So despite what we thought, this um, tumor, which is about the size of a golf ball in your right breast is mostly precancerous. Despite what we believed, it has not spread. It hasn't spread to your lymph nodes and it certainly has not spread to your bones. Now, we still believe you've had this for many years. So we actually want to know, what have you been doing in your diet or lifestyle that is unusual or unconventional? Chinese herbs, Chinese medicines, anything out of the ordinary? My mother simply replied, replied, well, I'm plant-based. I exercise, and for the last two years, I've been drinking this pungent-tasting tea that makes me feel great. So it was that, Yutai, that really... Like the clouds parted and the soundtrack started to play and, you know, all of that. Like my, my life felt like I was, that I had almost had this resurrection. You know, I now had hope. My mother had a a positive now um, uh, future ahead of her because prior to this, the doctor said she likely wouldn't even live six months. So that in conjunction with now this pungent tasting tea that I knew that my parents loved and were drinking religiously, I started to drink it. And then that's when I fell in love. And then that's when I became motivated and inspired to share it with the world as I've done for the last 25 years.
2: Well, a lot of people out there are always asking, how does an entrepreneur become a successful entrepreneur? And just by listening to your story, what you just share, it's always this advice I hear from every single entrepreneur is that do what matters to you and do what you love. And and, and yes. that yields the result that it should. That should yield the result that what you hope for, right? And and yeah. I I remember we talked about this before. It what wasn't something that you just go, oh, I'm going to make it because I want to be rich. I want to make it because I want to have a company. I want to work 25 years and do nothing else and dedicated to this fermented tea so the Western culture can understand it's good for them. It wasn't something that you decided. The universe decided for you. Exactly. your mom decided for you and 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 I, I remember this after your mom's passing and it gave you this whole new set of even more powerful energy around you you dedicate yourself even more deeper into the product in the healing process i think in the very beginning from from my from what i can see it was the marketing aspect that yes let's educate people what kombucha is but not a lot of people understood the healthiness of guts, right? Everything starts yes. from your gut, right? And, yes. and, and like you said earlier, in Asian culture, we eat a lot of fermented food. We eat a lot of fungi, mushrooms, anything that has germinated, anything that processed itself naturally, right? Yeah. Those things
1: foods
2: that grow. they grow, and then when they go in your body, they continue to grow. And, yeah. and same with kimchi, I would say 10 years ago, If you talk about eating kimchi, Americans or Westerners or Eastern food, it's just so forced to them that it was not really accepted. And tell all of a sudden, have a Korean barbecue, because barbecue means Western, so they begin to understand. So the reason I said that is, there is an incredible journey that you had to go through of educational process to teach people the importance of gut health. How do you begin to do that in the very
1: beginning? Well, first of all, I mean, again, um, what you just said is leading from the heart is always important. And I believe that sometimes the darkest moments bring the brightest outcomes. And, you know, whether it was the diagnosis of my mother, whether it was the ultimate death of my brother, there's been these moments, as I, as I say, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And so because I was blessed to start my company at such an early age, I didn't really have the business acumen that i think most entrepreneurs have when they start their business in their 20s and 30s i was just a young gay boy that was tired of getting bullied that i wanted to pave my own path and i wanted to do something that gave me purpose because to be honest prior to starting my company i was a little bit of a lost soul i had been raised very spiritually plant-based on this very specific path but growing up in los angeles there's a lot of temptations and I was no exception. I kind of fell into the trap. I was going to Beverly Hills High School. I was ditching school and so forth. And so when kombucha helped my mother and then I started drinking it and I loved it, as, as you kind of said, I think in many ways kombucha chose me and we became kind of this like weird couple, if you will, because I think that growing up gay and always feeling that I was different gave me the strength and conviction to start to further and um, and kind of promote something like kombucha that is really unusual. And for somebody who's not used to um, rejection and being called weird, it would be, in in, in my mind, hard for them to um, do something like kombucha. But with me, I think I was well-equipped. And so it just felt right. I mean, as I I mentioned earlier, I was exposed to Eastern ways of living at a young age. And, And one of the fundamental principles of Eastern philosophy is living a selfless life and making an impact in this world. And so, to me, making kombucha and sharing it was like the epitome of of a blessing. Something that I love, something that I know that can help others, and then, of course, can give me a purpose in my life. So it was kind of that trifecta.
2: Well, what what did it take? What What was it like when you walk into these meetings and you bring these fermented animals? (laughs) <laughs> Another table, and you try to convince a corporate America that this is something that we all need and and not want, but we all need because we do 25 years and we do see the product on the shelf and other competitive brands have then evolved on the coattail of your success. But what was yeah. that initial movement that you were able to ship the, the, the conversation about this healthy food?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, it wasn't easy. It was a lot of rejection a lot of no's, a lot of doors being slammed in my face. I'd even have buyers take a sip of it and then spit it up on me because they were so caught off guard by this fermented flavor. But, I mean, again, if I was doing this because I wanted to be rich or famous, I would have given it up a long time ago because the the, the first 10 years of my professional career were way too challenging. And it really was being rooted in this, again, this conviction that, people may not know that they, um, people may not want this, but people eventually need this. So that was kind of the drumbeat that I had that gave me kind of the fire in the belly that even those that rejected me early on, I didn't give up. I continued to come back and I would find clever ways of slowly lowering the barrier of uh, uncertainty or the, 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 again, the foreignness that I think fermented foods can have to more of a Western culture. And I would start to, improve the packaging to make it seem a little bit more american i would come up with with fruit flavors that you know i think signal to certain consumers like oh this isn't that strange and sometimes i would certainly just reference other foods i mean here in the u.s we've been consuming apple cider vinegar for a very long time so i would reference apple cider vinegar to more u.s consumers for asian of course i'd reference the miso the kimchi um things of that nature even or Europeans, like Russians, actually, they drink something called kvass. So whenever I was interacting with the consumer, I would try to reference things that they were familiar with. So it didn't seem so far out. And then last but not least, we are all familiar with yogurt, right? And so yogurt, I think, is one of the most mainstream fermented foods. So I would borrow some of the language from things such as yogurt to really kind of, again, lower that barrier to people.
2: Well, you're a pioneer in it. You, you changed the definition of kombucha for everyone. And it is true that, that I have to say, when I talk to people about kombucha, you have changed the landscape so much. Not many people actually know the origin is from Asia, right? A lot of people just go, yeah. oh, kombucha, it's a Western food because GT has done such an amazing job educating the market yeah. and what it does. But what I love is that you have always held true to what kombucha does. And it's it's incredible living food and healthy food. As I see on the social media postings and the educational process, I think it's so ever important because more education we get on this product and understand what kombucha can do, we're just discovering more health benefits every single day, right? Um, In the early part of the pandemic, there was a way of kimchi became a huge topic. Because it's a fermented food, it will help you build antibodies, and it will help you fight off, uh, you know, flus, and perhaps, will maybe, even be beneficial to build your antibody and fight off um, coronavirus. I'm not a scientist. I'm not saying so. I'm just saying it was a conversation <laughs> that was happening.
1: But yeah. but you do that. Certainly
2: can hurt. Exactly that. And I remember when that, that conversation was happening. I I open my fridge and there's a bottle of GT's kombucha, and I go, well, this is exactly the conversation that needs to continue to happen because. It's doing these little, different pivotal time of our life that we get to inject something new to the world that the world needs, right? And more so now than ever, when, with with yeah. whole foods, with farmers market, with all these social media that people are celebrating healthy food, people are celebrating plant based food. Because I know ten years ago, if you said you're plant based, I'm like, oh, we're not inviting you to the party. You're going to be boring, right? That's I'm sure of that. Yeah. My entire family is vegetarian. <laughs> my entire farm vegetarian except for me because I have a cooking show. So I, maybe I'll do a plant-based cooking <laughs> show, but, but I, I remember that. I think, I you know, I, I think <laughs> we'll do a collaboration. But it truly, it was something that I, I became so aware of kombucha because the notion, wow, I'm in odd of it. I'm in odd of something that is so prevalent in where I grew up and so, so mundane. That I didn't even think about this is something that we need to make sure the Western culture knows, right? Because this is what happens in our yeah. society. We get bullied on what we eat, what we wear, what we look like. And when we get bullied on those things, we put those things away and we don't bring them there. Yeah, we hide, we hide, but you didn't, you have yeah. this <laughs> you have an animal, you were carrying this animal around. I've always had a picture of you GT and you have this backpack, <laughs> that is waterproof and has a giant jar of this giant fish that you just carry around everywhere
1: you go so you can keep making it <laughs> everywhere you are. I kind of love that visual, by the way, but it's so true. Well, it is. I mean, it was like my baby. It really was like my baby. So, yeah, I was carrying it around like someone would do their child.
2: And, then, and what was it? What was a very pivotal point that when somebody said yes, did you remember that moment when somebody said yes? I believe in you, not just because you're a product, but I believe in you, GT. I believe in you completely, and I understand your mission, what you wanna do, and that propelled the success of this
1: journey that you're on. Yeah, you know what's interesting? So I had a few of those. They were all kind of um, little nuggets, if you will. The first one that's the most memorable is when I made my first batch. I delivered it to Air One, which was my first store here in Los Angeles. And within the first week, I got a phone call from a consumer who left a message on my answering machine, by the way, that was located in my my bedroom. And I listened to the message and it it simply went, hi, I went into the store today. I saw this bottle called kombucha. I didn't know what it was, but I picked it up. I gave it a try and my headache went away or my stomach ache went away. And I just want to say thank you because I feel better. So really that's what it was it was those, those moments of that, I think reaffirmed that I was doing something good. Um, you know, to be honest, I don't think I've had yet. Somebody comes to me and say, you know, GT, you got this. <laughs> I I'm, I'm still waiting for that day <laughs> to be honest. I, I, what? Yeah. And it's, if it's happened, I haven't heard it maybe because that's an indication of my personality. I'm, I'm the type of guy that I'm my own worst critic, right? I'm, I, I look at everything that I've done, and if, if everything's great, but there's one thing that's not, that's the only thing I focus on. So in many ways, and I think the people that work for me would echo the this, this same sentiment, is sometimes I feel like I'm just getting started. And sometimes I feel like I have so many things that I need to do, and I still haven't mastered my universe, which is a blessing and a curse. I mean, I think the good news is it's really what makes me run. It's what drives my ambition. The downside is I can sometimes be a little bit difficult to work with because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. But I think you can relate. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> I remember what you said on top of this show, please manage your stress level in the kindest way to your own health, because you know, that's something we have to learn from, from the past. Sure. But I, I, as you see the success from the outside, we see this incredible success of the brand, and we see that the vernacular have changed in the landscape of, of good, healthy drinking. What's yeah. next for kombucha? What's the next iteration? How do you improve on something that's a living life
1: organism? You know, what's interesting. I mean, because over the last two and a half decades, I've really worked super hard to make sure that I protect the authenticity of kombucha and that, that regardless of how or where I make it, I'm always staying true to its history and its heritage. So, I mean, I don't want to give you a bad answer and say that I think it's already been perfected. Um, to me, that's actually not the primary goal because I think that box has been checked. I think the next big mission, and I've said this before, that i spent The first two and a half decades trying to to promote and educate people on kombucha and tell them why they need it. And I feel like the next two and a half decades are going to be about protecting kombucha, because as you kind of said, we live in this interesting world right now, where we sometimes forget history. Because I think there's so much information, there's so much content, there's so many distractions that we sometimes just read that copy post or that headline or that Twitter statement, and we don't really go all the way down to the very, very root, the early beginnings of something. And when we don't do that, sometimes we run the risk of overlooking the heart, or even worse, misunderstanding the heart and soul of what it is, this thing that we're consuming. So for instance, you know what you reference with kimchi? Like, I think people need to understand that that is nothing new. It's been used for centuries in other cultures to be, again, this medicinal food. And so in many ways, kombucha is like that. I think authentic yogurt, especially even plant-based yogurt can be that. For me, um, and again, I'm sorry I'm going off track, but even starting to further other fermented foods outside of kombucha, I feel is my next mission, because I want to make sure that people know that kombucha is not your only option. You have water kefir, you have plant-based yogurt, you have all these other foods that they're they're not kombucha or a a water kefir, it's a kombucha and, because our bodies are so dynamic, we really need this broad spectrum of nutrients. And so that's kind of a few of my mission now going forward. So now you are going to be, and you already are a health
2: advocate. You're truly going to put yourself forth. And and tell me a little bit about why, why were you brought up plant-based? I forgot to ask you that earlier. What was the the decision to be brought? Was it something that your family always wanted to make sure you're plant-based when you're growing up?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the kind of catalyst for my parents being plant-based is, you know, uh, even before I was born, they started to study Eastern philosophies and, and Eastern teachings. And they started to realize that, again, food can be your medicine as well as your poison. And what really is, I don't personally, honestly, have anything, about eating, have anything wrong with eating meat specifically. The problem that, that I have and the way I was raised, it's more about the energy that goes into, especially here in the U.S., how we manufacture our meat. Right? how it's factory-raised meat, which is different than the old days when we'd go out and we'd hunt and we would bring in the deer or the calf or whatever it is, and then we would completely you know, uh, honor its entire body. We would use skin, every, the bones, everything for, to rather nourish us or keep us warm or something. Unfortunately here, especially in the U.S., we manufacture our meat. And so in many ways, there's animal cruelty, there's hormones, there's antibiotics that go into it, that, oh, by the way, we also ingest that when we eat the meat. And I've read that you know the, the biggest toxin, human or, or animal, is adrenaline. Adrenaline actually isn't a good thing. And if an animal is raised and then killed in an inhumane way, the last emotion that occurs in that animal, and it, it, it literally kind of saturates every cell in their body, is this adrenaline, this stress. So you're essentially now you've locked in that emotion. It's in the meat, the flesh and, and everything of that animal. And now you're ingesting that and you're essentially eating, you know, fear, you're eating sadness, you're eating, even eating anger, which in my mind is not a good thing. So that's kind of the philosophy that I was raised in. It's just good, clean food, food that was prepared with love, food that was raised with kindness, whether it was meat or plant-based. Um, And then just so you know, because I was raised a vegetarian, after about the age of 10, my parents were actually very open-minded and they allowed me to go and choose whatever I wanted to eat, even if that included meat. And so I did. And at the age of 10, I had a steak and chicken and all of that. And honestly, I loved the way it tasted, but I didn't like how it made me feel. It felt very heavy. It felt like a dead energy. It felt like it was weighing me down. So even though I enjoyed the flavor, I didn't enjoy the way it made me feel. And so I've been plant-based ever since
2: well that's what my family helped for me one day too i i actually did i was plant-based for about two and a half years and and i didn't manage my my intake well enough i actually got really sick because my body just wasn't responding to the to the food i was putting in and also was doing college it was a lot of stress in school and and I, i literally had just eating anything but healthy plant-based food <laughs> as long yes. as it wasn't meat-based i was eating it and, and back then there was not much education about how to find that balance right and now we have so many resources for plant-based food uh, fitness and and one of the things that i i did not know you were plant-based and and knowing you had this top physique all the time and knowing that <laughs>
1: you can be plant-based and still grow muscle i'm in <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's true I mean, listen being plant-based isn't the end-all be-all i mean as you said i've actually had friends that are plant-based and incredibly unhealthy because they're eating breads and pastas and rices and, and things that are heavily processed they may be plant-based but they're still not healthy for you so i believe first of all in everything moderation and i do understand as you just said that if you were raised a certain way it's hard to do a 180 and also start excluding meat from your diet and then just eating only plants and so i always recommend to people and i'd certainly recommend it to you to just kind of baby step it down to whatever place that you can get that's as close to plant-based whether that's pescatarian only eating white meat you know minimizing your red meat whatever it's it's, again everybody's body is different and you have to listen to your body and, and make sure you give it what it thinks is best
2: what would you just say to someone who never had kombucha and what is your pitch? What is your algorithm pitch to get them to understand this product that's good for them?
1: Go. Okay. So say, well, kombucha is this fermented tea. It's not sweet. It's more sour. It, it tastes a little bit like an apple cider vinegar. So when you have your first bottle, sip it slowly, let your taste buds adjust. And if you want, just consume for at the beginning four ounces. And then the next day, go to six ounces and then the next day go to eight ounces and continue to increase your consumption until you reach about 16 ounces a day which is one bottle and then what i say in addition to that is that if if you consume the kombucha especially in the beginning of the day you'll start to notice that it slowly starts changing how you feel you'll get more energy you'll not have certain food cravings Um, you'll sleep better and then over time once you start drinking it routinely you'll notice remarkable improvements in your health from your skin to your hair, to your immune system, to your digestion, again, to your um, you'll sleep better as well as have more energy. And what I say is kombucha is not an end-all, be-all or cure-all. It really is in many ways, it's really remarkable food that kind of opens up your third eye, if you will, to the importance of how food really should be your fuel. And don't let food be your poison. And so what a lot of people say after even about a week or two of drinking kombucha, they say, Oh my God, I noticed that like I'm no longer craving certain foods. And when I reach for that pizza or that soda or whatever, I actually don't like the way it tastes anymore. And what we always say is see the kombucha is remaking your palate. And now it's almost um, turning up the volume, if you will, of the conversation that you always should be having with your body of how do I feel? How is this nourishing me? Is this hurting me more than helping me? And that's, again, I think the conversation that we should never stop having with ourselves because if we listen to our body, we'll hear what our body wants and what it needs. Can you ever consume too much kombucha in one day? I mean, honestly, I think you consume, you can consume too much of anything. Um, But I will say that even water, right? You drink too much water, you drown. Um, I think with kombucha, I mean, I drink a lot and I certainly don't tell people to follow the consumption uh, magnitude that I drink, because I drink anywhere, Monday through Friday, especially because I'm taste testing all the batches, I'll drink anywhere from a gallon to a gallon and a half of kombucha. So to put that in perspective, that's 8 to 12, 16 ounce bottles. So that's a lot. Um, So again, for everybody listening, don't drink that much. (laughs) But the rule of thumb is I think one to three bottles is ideal on a daily basis. If for some reason you want to drink more than three, I would always recommend that you stop and you assess your diet and say all right am i drinking enough water am i drinking enough vegetable juice whether that's celery juice carrot juice kale juice cucumber juice what have you and there are other wonderful functional beverages out there that complement kombucha and in many ways satisfy the desire that you get out of kombucha but they're giving you diversified nutrition so like again as i mentioned earlier water kefir it's a fermented beverage but it's made with a different culture Um, Water kefir, as you may know, originated in in Mexico in the early 1800s. The the culture that is used to make aqua kefir grows on the skin of a prickly pear cactus. Um, There's adaptogenic drinks, these um, adaptogenic medicinal mushrooms that we also make. So again, sorry to get off track. There's so many different things that I think people need to incorporate into their diet in addition to conversion.
2: Well, as a successful you are as an entrepreneur and a CEO of this major brand, I know a lot of people at DME when they... Saw that we're going to be talking, and everybody always asks, "How do we? How do they? How do we become more like GT? How do we find the passion that you have and believe in something that you're doing? What's advice that you would give to a young entrepreneur?"
1: Yeah, what I always say is, first of all, you need to look within yourself. You need to understand, first of all, what is it that makes you happy, and how do you marry that with what you're good at, or how do you develop your skill set that you can intersect. Again, what you enjoy doing versus what you're good at doing. So that's kind of step one. And then from there, you have to say, okay, now how can I turn this into something, which as silly as it sounds, is going to make the world a better place. Because I think we're all learning, and especially during this pandemic, that we're kind of all in this together. And I don't care how wealthy you are. I don't care how popular you are. If you don't have your health, and if you don't have, and if you don't have your loved ones, you're poor. You, you, you don't have anything. So I want to be rich with love. I want to be rich with purpose. And that's always the advice that I give entrepreneurs, that if if what you're doing is making the world a better place and and enriching people's lives for the better, success will come almost effortlessly. But you need to make sure, because this is something that I experienced in the early part of my career, you need to make sure that you don't wake up one day and realize that you've actually changed your priorities, that you become a worshiper of the dollar. Um, You've been obsessed with greed or profit or financial success, because believe it or not, I've learned the hard way that money can't buy you happiness, but it certainly can buy you misery. So you want to make sure that you're rooted in the right things. And, and that's what I always tell people, because I don't care what size business you have or how great your idea is. Chances are you're going to experience some kind of challenge down your journey, and you need to be solidified in this, this North Star, if you will, so you can weather that storm so you don't come crashing when you're you know, confronted with this challenge.
2: Beautifully worded, beautifully said. So for you, what continues to inspire you every day?
1: You know what continues to inspire me is the ability to create. Um, I consider myself, yes, I'm a businessman, I know that. But I think even more than a businessman, I am an artist. And I love, like you, creating beautiful things that can uplift people's lives, can inspire them, if possible, can even be somewhat provocative that can cause people to question certain things or come up with their own questions or seek certain answers. Because I believe in this world, and I I think we're all feeling it right now during this pandemic, I think we all need to find that we're discovering at least the world sometimes feels very dark. And I think we need to unite our light and really channel the light within so we can overcome this darkness and lead the path to a better world. Because if we don't do that, and if we just kind of stay in our silos, I'm scared that the future is not going to be very good for all of us. So that's kind of my passion, is I really want to be a thought leader. I want to be somebody that, you know, presents certain scenarios and allows people to come up with questions and answer. And, and that really it makes me feel that that's my purpose.
2: Wow. You should well, your educational process continues on the brand because we recently got to collaborate together to put some images together out there, and that I believe is the very first
1: um, national campaign that for Cambodia, right? It is, yeah. And honestly, I couldn't think of anybody to do it with other than you. Well, I am such a blessing. It was a
2: blessing. It was an honor because uh, honestly, doing this crazy pandemic time, we all take a little setback on our all creativity. We take, we take a little set back on opportunities. And I want to thank you when you call and reach out to create this campaign during this time. I thought it was so pivotal and important because it was not just that the product itself lifts the spirit of people. You you gather so many people on set that day and you allow so many people to be able to create that day, along with the product that heals. And, and I know that we were all drunken for weeks after. <laughs> I uh-huh. personally have boxes and boxes of kombucha, and, and I think I consume a gallon a day for like two weeks. Really? Uh, I loved it. I didn't sleep at all because I just, like, I have so much energy, and I realized, wait a minute, I think I should stop drinking around six o'clock because I yeah. was just up the whole time and going and going. <laughs> but but I, a lot of things at you you're such a incredible giving person to the gay community as well as anybody around you that, that knows you and I and I want to thank you because the opportunity to work with you to shoot the campaign it was a blessing and it was such a gift to my crew and a gift to me as an artist that' I'd be able to create through this hard time and knowing I'm not just creating shooting the you know, next bag or next it, you know purse or shoes or whatever that may be I actually got to do something to be part of that is it's part of the Asian culture. It's part of yeah. all the vernacular that I absolutely love about health, about, about giving back. And I can't wait for people to see all the images. It was an incredible and beautiful experience to work with you. And I know my entire crew thank you for the opportunity.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I mean, again, I echo the same sentiment. It was, As you know, that day was magical, right? I think you could um, feel the vibration of the love and the compassion and the excitement that we were all tapping into. So again, thank you for being a part of that.
2: Well, as you continue to go down this journey, continue to make wave and changing the dialogue of eating healthy and teaching people about healthy guts, I know that there are so much more to come. I know that if, whether it's education, whether it's perfecting, whether it's making a product better, this is, this is just the beginning for GT, right? This is just yeah. the beginning. Because I know, I've seen some sneak peek of how good kombucha could be for your skin as applicable, as a toner for your skin right i know that there's topical topical applications are you thinking of that as you expand
1: the, the vertical of this product absolutely i mean again we're rooted in health and wellness and again we believe that mother nature is the world's greatest healer and we feel in many ways we're kind of her servants or her stewards so anything that we can do to harness the beauty that mother nature has blessed us with and offer it to people whether it's something that they consume or whether it's something that they put on their bodies or what have you. That's something that certainly interests me. Um, now, of course, as you know, um, when you're a passionate artist and you have all these ideas, the most important thing is to exercise, exercise self-restraint. <laughs> so there's a lot of ideas up here in this crazy head of mine, but little by little, I kind of lay them all out and then I slowly pick which one makes sense. And I wanna make sure that not only I am ready to um, create this or offer it, but I also wanna make sure the world is ready. So, yeah, so I would say stay tuned. I, I don't think uh, a kombucha topical is, is is certainly not out of the question.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, will, I, will, I will look for whatever the new iterations and the creation by you, whether it's topical or another edibles, whatever that may be, because <laughs> I'm excited to be part of your journey. And thank you so much again being here with me today and giving this incredible inspiring conversation for young entrepreneurs out there and knowing that passion should lead the way whatever you create and especially during this time to teach people that there are different ways to stay healthy and kombucha is one of the uh, option that, that people can learn more about and I appreciate that because I thank you for further education about Asian culture because that is that's part of the that that's what makes me smile so much when we get to work together because it wasn't just working together on a product it was working on together on something that's culturally so relevant to me and
1: and heartfelt to me yeah absolutely no it was an honor and i love you so again thank you for everything that you've done
2: well thank you guys for joining in with us today and please do follow gt kombucha online as well as keep your eye out for the new campaign that'll be coming out in magazines and billboards. I'm excited to share with that with everyone. And thank you, GT, again, for being here and always being an incredible inspiration and generously in so many different ways. And, and thank you for being a guiding light for a lot of the LGBTQI community, because we do look for people that we can look up to that are similar as us in, in multiple different ways. we're not a model and you are truly kind of an
1: inspiration to me. So thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. That's my honor and my privilege. So thank you, Yuta.
0: Thank you, GT, for sharing your story and for your commitment to promoting healthy living and bringing healing products to everyone. Thank you to all my listeners for your constant support. Please subscribe to this podcast for more open conversations. You can visit our website at let's and follow me on Instagram at USi88 for updates. Let's Talk is a production of ADA Phases. I'm your host, Usai, our director, Louis Haiming writer, editor, and producer, Trevor Swanjit.